episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you for joining me, your host Eve, for another episode of Poopology. I have here with me my co-host Chris. Hi everyone. And my guest Lydia. Hello. And my guest Rachel. Hi guys. So before we kick things off today, we're going to start with our poopy moments as we always do. So I'll lead the way today. So this poopy moment happened to me actually this morning. So for once, I actually have a poopy moment of the week, (laughs) rather than a poopy moment from about 25 years ago, which is normally my style. So I was on the train, extremely tired, because Chris knows I've been in this office for pretty much 24 hours a day for the last sort of two weeks. And woke up this morning way too late, running to the gym, just totally flustered, you know, hair everywhere, don't know what is going on, lost all my senses. And I'm standing in this train, relatively packed. And you know when you feel like someone has, like, gone past you? It's like a feeling. Mm -hmm. Rather than you've seen it happen, like, rather than you've seen it, you just, like, feel like someone's kind of... Yeah, you felt the Yeah. So I felt like the person who was sitting just sort of next to me had gotten up and left, like, moved. So I went to sit down. Now, I don't know whether I was just having a, like an old person moment uh-huh. or a crazy person moment, but this person, who was a young gentleman wearing a suit, you know, maybe like <laughs> 10 years my junior, relatively good looking, but you know, not like obviously he was way too young for me, but he had not gotten up and left. For some reason, oh my, my senses had just picked up something that hadn't happened. So without looking or thinking or anything, <laughs> I went to sit down. <laughs> So oh I actually sat on this person's lap oh yes. at five thirty in the morning. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, and it was really like and I proper full on sat down. Like, oh like I don't know how. He didn't just like gracefully touch no, I didn't, his knee. I didn't like touch him and then bounce up. I literally like, <laughs> sat, like, like I threw Full relaxation, myself, yeah. yeah. I threw myself on the chair and then I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my god. And then I tried to get up, but I was like, you know, because it was quite busy, so there was other people in front of me, and I was like a little bit tangled. <laughs> so then I was fumbling around, and my rucksack, so which I funny. still had on, got caught on something that he was he had on his lap, like his bag, I guess. So then I couldn't get up, so oh. you know, because we were attached, basically. Oh my god! Yeah, my oh rucksack had attached itself. Oh my goodness! And I was just going, <laughs> making like funny noises, no doubt, way le- louder than I thought yeah. I was, because I had earphones yeah. on. Oh my goodness! I was listening to an unedited episode of Poopology. And, uh, yeah, so I was making all these funny noises and all I could see was a row of people trying not to laugh (laughs) and thinking to myself, I don't even know if I can turn around and look at this person and apologise because I'm just so embarrassed. Oh, my god! So I managed to eventually, like, get up and then I turned around and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And luckily I had gotten to my stop, so I just like threw myself out. out of the train. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. 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 It could have been a meet cute though. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be a great That would have been yeah. really. Yeah, he already saw it. <laughs> that would be quite the love yeah. story. Yeah, but I mean, we had a connection for a moment. You know? Literally a connection. A, literally, a like connection. A, a physical, you know, mm. my butt was full on on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we had a, Without even um, eye contact, yeah, you we, had, we had butt a, on knee contact. Well, that it is. wasn't knee. It was full on crotch, yeah. So we had a moment. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, oh so that's funny. an yeah. alien yet familiar feeling. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh my god, so <laughs> funny. I don't know how your poopy moments get better and better. Oh my god. Maybe she's just trying to make these things (laughs) Willing it into the universe. Like, can I get something embarrassing today for my podcast? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. So, yeah, so there you go. That was my poopy moment. Wow. My cheeks hurt. That was (laughs) We just started. That is too good. Too good. (laughs) So, who wants to go next? 
I'll go next. Basically, I was in Amsterdam in 2016 with two of my friends, and I don't really, like, I know how to ride a bike, but, like, I don't really know how to ride a bike. Like, when I was younger, I could do it, but now I get, like, this horrible, anxious feeling when I'm in a city riding a bike <laughs> that I'm going to either hit a pedestrian or be hit by a car, yeah. and there's nothing in between those two options. So, obviously, in Amsterdam, the main way to get around is a bike. So, we were biking around the day before I had lost a pedal in the middle of the intersection and somehow oh I gracefully God. veered off to the side and went and retrieved the pedal for my shitty rental bike. But the next day we were going to see our friend Shinyi who's doing a residency there and my friends who are really they live in New York are really good at riding bikes in the city. They like turned left the wrong way down a one way street because there's opposite there's okay. one way is opposite each canal right um and so i followed them and they were much faster and then this car was coming and then there's a bunch of parked cars on the left or on the right and like oh. it kept coming closer and i wasn't fast enough and so the space that i could actually pass through was getting smaller and smaller and smaller and so i was like a normal person might have gotten off their bike <laughs> <laughs> walked to the side and then gotten on but instead i like swerved right I was like slapping the car to like balance myself as it passed, and then I drove into a table of Dutch women oh. <laughs> who were sitting outside God. enjoying a bottle of white wine, and it was one of those foldable tables. So the table just folded and fell. The oh wine went everywhere. All four of them, oh these four blonde Dutch women, stood up and screamed at me in Dutch, and I was just like, <sighs> like I, I immediately started freaking out, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, oh my God. Like I'll pay for your wine. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah. And this one girl was like, "Ends my phone," and I was like what and it's like two drops of wine on it and i was like mm, we'll talk about that later and said yeah that's sorry to all dutch people that was not a good accent um, so I run, I run inside to go to the restaurant, and I'm like, uh, I want to pay for the bottle they just had, and I want to pay for a new bottle, and, so and it's like this guy and this girl, and they were just like, you really don't have to do that, and I was like, yes, I do, yes, I do, and then the girl like puts her arm on, like puts her hand on my shoulder, and goes, are you okay? And I just, like, I burst into tears. Aww. My face is red. I'm like full on bawling. My friends finally come back. They were, they had like left, and then at some point. I'm sure they're like, where's Lydia? And they came back and found me weeping in a restaurant. And uh, so I ended up running to the bathroom so to like cry more and collect myself. I come out. I'm like, we're going to walk our bikes to the cafe. So we start walking our bikes away. And as we're leaving, I see the four Dutch women taking a selfie with the bottle I had bought for them. So there's definitely an image online of them being like, this stupid American girl biked oh into us God. and bought us wine. And I was like, but it's interesting. Actually, I, I'm someone who feels a lot of residual embarrassment about these things, but I actually don't feel any embarrassment about it because I think I think it's because we all went to a cafe and smoked a bunch of weed afterwards. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so and I think that it erased my shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the perfect time to smoke some weed, to be honest. It's just it's just like, experience. Yeah. Some trauma. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but then I, I think I got back on the bike that evening, so it was fine. Oh, that's quite good. I thought I would never you weren't traumatized, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. That is good. Although I refuse to ride a bike in the city now. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That is so I was expecting, is... like, you and the Dutch woman were to be, like, best friends after that or something. Oh, no. They, they did not like me. There was no saving that relationship. <laughs> They're like, goddamn tourists. Oh, yeah. Damn Americans. Every time I talk to someone from, from like, the Netherlands and tell them that story, they're like, yeah, tourists and bikes, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real problem. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. They should ban it from, like, the tourists in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Amsterdam gotta... is scary, though, with the bikes. I mean, I was there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. to visit my friend I swear to god I could not cross the road <laughs> she was like holding my hand and running me across the road like, so many where are they well. coming from <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know they come from everywhere and obviously unlike cars you can't hear them 
That's true. Yeah. 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 And they're tinier too, so you have no idea yeah, like from what exactly. angle they're going to be like exactly. popping out. You can't from judge the speed. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing is like very confusing to yeah. me. So I was like, left, right, left, right, left, right, and across the road like a lunatic. Wow. <laughs> it's not like London where they have the directions written on the, the ground. Oh, yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> so look that yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Trust <laughs> me, that has good. saved yeah. me yeah, we talked countless about times. Yeah. It's a good reminder, right? <laughs> Absolutely. For these Americans. Well, yeah, because you look the wrong way, yeah. yeah, and I've gotten hit now 16 times almost. <gasps> Same. Oh, I've We're keeping score of how many times, times. Yeah. I've almost got hit in London by a car. Same. Oh, from looking the other way, because naturally you're inclined yeah. to look that way. Yeah. It's natural, exactly. and it's like, oh, it's coming this yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys only have that in the UK. Imagine, for us from the UK, we have that everywhere else in the world. I know. Yeah. Very true. Because we're basically one of the very few countries that, yeah, you know, that are the opposite yeah, to yes. everywhere else. You know, yeah. the majority sure. is the opposite. So wherever you go, you're like, yeah, what is? Where am I? You know, which way? Left, yeah. right, Good right, point, left. Eve. Yeah, here, here we are complaining. You freaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Brits. But you do fine in Japan. I'm pretty sure they're on the other side. <laughs> oh, you figure so it out. <laughs> That's a long way to go to be okay in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And they all ride the train. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rachel. Okay. So I don't know what year. I was impressed that you knew the year. <laughs> it, it's scarred in my mind. <laughs> it's so funny. But um, this was many years ago, maybe like six years ago. And I do this trade show in Vegas with my showroom. It's called Magic and Project. And so this was a work trip. This was not like a fun Vegas night. And that's why I was so bad because it was a work trip. And I was in the front, and me and my employees were there, and I had on this chiffon skirt. And it was long. It was like a maxi skirt. And I cannot do escalators. It's something about me and escalators. My mind cannot... <laughs> I can't do... You're like, why All these years of living, I, I can't... Yeah. All these years of living. I have to stay still, and now in London... If someone's in front of me and they're doing it, I can copy them. But if I'm by myself, <laughs> oh my God. it's risky. Anything moving, any of those things at the airport, the sidewalks, yeah, that move, yeah. all those things, I've I've always messed up. I've always, always, oh, no, this is not the worst. Okay, I just had another one. I'll tell you, too, on the escalator. So I get off the escalator, and in Vegas, there's a thousand people behind you. And it's no organization. It's not like, you know, left and right. Everybody's just on there talking. All of a sudden, my skirt gets caught, and then I think, well, let me just pull it, because that's actually it, and it's caught. And it won't stop, and it's reeling me in and in, and then eventually I'm like freaking oh out, God. and all these people are trying to pull me, and then the skirt rips off. Oh my God. So the funniest thing is, luckily I wore some kind of like bloomers that day. They were like okay. like yes. tight, kind of longer yeah. shorts, yeah. short panties, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. if I hadn't had those on, my whole tail would have been out. That was it. <laughs> so that happened to me, and then I think the absolute worst thing that's happened to me on the escalator. So you know at the airport you get the baskets right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason i think that i just can't go on the elevator i don't know i can't find the elevator so i was trying to get an uber and at lax they make it very hard for you to get an uber so you have to go up to like the upper level even yeah. if you yeah. land on the lower level uber was there so i decide i can get on there and he man it <laughs> and hold oh, hold the, no. the two or three luggages on the cart oh my god all of a sudden i get on there and from this minute i got on there i didn't have the basket and i i held it as long as i could and it was just the more and more the steps came out the more and more the basket was falling back and it fell and the guy behind me he comes up and he's like superman he holds it yeah and he held it all the way to the top but do you know that basket literally would have trampled on everybody. yeah i think yeah. that's the worst escalator oh thing i've ever that's probably the worst thing that's ever I, that's my worst poopy moment for sure that's oh my God. i almost killed people yeah, with those 50 pound bags scary. and trust me i probably had four of them oh, <laughs> i was gonna yeah. guess like trust me i at the least at least i have three bags at all times but that happened to me so i am not good with crossing street elevators <laughs> escalators as a matter of fact i told her i you went shopping down, yeah, yeah like i any went shopping and, and my um shopping bag got stuck in the tube door this was just two oh, weeks ago it was like ah uh, and this guy he priors it open i get these supermans flying yeah, down like <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't do nothing. Nothing oh over 20 God. pounds is done. Oh so, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Nothing. Machines. Yeah, I am clumsy. So, I mean, I've had lots of poopy moments. That escalates the story with the trolley. That's that's the worst that's yeah that's i'll never ever really do that scary. again escalators are scary that was a lesson yeah i got caught very... when i was a kid oh that my is God. Thing happened. i was at the aquarium and i was lazy so i was like six or something so i sat on the escalator my coat got like eaten by it and like my memory is it stopped automatically and then they got me out but i think actually someone probably had to press like the emergency <gasps> button so i didn't get eaten by the escalator oh, yeah because oh back then God. they were more intense than they are now yeah so that was back in the day before they were made again you know so luckily, it wasn't <laughs> traumatizing because i wasn't half eaten by an escalator but yes. yeah uh, somebody was smart enough to stop it but oh. yeah and it was like my babysitter was there i'm sure she was having a heart attack like this child's oh. about to be <laughs> yeah, and i'm gonna be at fault yeah, oh. they're scary. They're very scary. Wow. Note Man to self, machines. Seriously. Not to hang out in escalators with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we're out and I see an escalator you just going up the stairs. Let us yeah. <laughs> I'll just let a few I'll people go to make sure it's safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, life in danger. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, Chris, what's your so, movie moment? <laughs> does not involve escalators, but also does involve mode of transportation. Oh, um, so this the theme is, today. Yeah, it is wow. a theme. But I think Eve knows that's kind of my going theme as well too. But this actually goes back a few years ago. I was visiting my best friends from graduate school in Boston for a weekend, so I took the Amtrak from New York City. Weekend was over. It was around like nine o'clock. It was probably a five hour train ride back to New York City and I had time. I should probably get home by like 12 a.m. decent hour. Mm -hmm. I actually love riding trains because they're typically on time, no delays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this damn train was delayed for like an hour because of some mechanical weather issue, etc. So now I'm like already delayed, now expecting to be home at one, exhausted. And so here I'm like telling myself, okay, you're going to get off like in an hour. Wow. I doze off. I miss my freaking stop. Oh my I God. open my eyes and now I'm freaking out because it's Amtrak train. It's not like a subway where you can just hop off, go around nope. the next yeah. one. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. What state am I going to be in next? It's, yeah. one, it's like 1 a.m. No, it's coming from Boston to New York oh. City. And then oh so I, I like woke up and then I saw one of the train guys come over to you know yeah. check your tickets etc and then uh, um i look at him like what's next stop where are yeah. we going i was like i think i just missed my penn station he's like oh yeah you missed it like total no sympathy like, oh he my like, goodness yeah, can't do anything about it i'm like so where are we going next yeah. <laughs> like um so we're going to like something jersey or if you miss that you'll end up in dc I'm oh like, my god. All right. Yeah, that's my route. I take that Whoa. train. Really? Yeah, it stops in Baltimore than DC. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So I'm oh like, I am not gonna end up in Washington, DC at this hour. I'm like, get me freaking home. So then I made sure I stayed awake, got off somewhere in Jersey. Thank goodness it wasn't that far. But so by this time it's like, I don't know, like 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., so I get out, oh and there are no gosh. trains now back to yeah. even Penn Station. I wasn't that far, and so 1 a.m. in the morning, no one's, like, at a train station, but um, there was this guy, I think, like, on the floor drinking wine, and, he, oh. he, and I'm, like, walking around, like, uh. he, he, like, <laughs> you know, gestures to me, like, I want some more. <laughs> so I probably funny. looked really pathetic, but at that point, I think the next train was, like, four hours later, like 5 a.m. is yeah. typically the earliest train. I'm oh like, hell God. freaking no. Am I going to sit here and <laughs> have some wine with some dude on the floor for yeah. another four hours? So I eventually got home after like a $100 Uber ride. Oh, yeah. my At like 1 a.m. in the morning. And basically what could have taken me like five hours on a train ride from Boston to New York, I ended up getting home like nine, <gasps> Eight and, a half, hours? Oh like nine and a half hours oh later. God. Oh God! <laughs> it was miserable. Yeah, that's the worst. That's oh crazy. my goodness. Okay, so after that rather traumatic experience, yeah. we're going to move on to, uh, to today's actual session. So today we're talking about reclaiming your own narrative. And before we move in and delve deep, I just wanted our guests to just talk a little bit about themselves. Because yeah. obviously our listeners don't know about your backgrounds and why we would have 
come to this particular topic matter on this on this show. My name's Lydia Pettit. I'm an artist. I'm getting my master's at the Royal College of Art right now. Nice. Um, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, where I grew up. Well, I grew up in Towson, which is like eight minutes outside of it. But I lived in Baltimore for the past like eight years. And I went to the art school there, Maryland Institute College of Art. And then I opened a gallery. Oh, my um, God. And then and a studio building. And then just kind of closed the gallery, decided to focus on my art. Did that for a while and then decided to come here. Oh wow. That's, that is nice. That's where I am. That's how I got here in this room. How long have you been here for? Um, I've been here for almost eighteen months, I guess. Oh, or well, that's I, quite I'm a not long sure. Time. Yeah, I moved here last August. Yeah, and I'm applying for my visa next year. Hopefully I can stay because I really like London. Yeah. It's, it's just it's so great. so many people from all over the world. There's a lot of arts funding compared to where I'm from, which has good arts funding, but it's just a much smaller city, so there's a mm-hmm. lot a lot mm-hmm. fewer resources. Can you tell us about your type of artwork? Yeah. And artistry, which is, you know, I found so compelling when I met you at that exhibit. Yeah, um, so I've always been a figurative painter, um, painting people, things, representational, whatever. Um, I think fairly traditional, although I'd say my work is a lot more expressive in the sense of letting brush strokes lay where they are with, and not blending everything in to make it photorealist. But my work the past two and a half years has been self-portraiture, and it's been a means to reconnect and sort of redefine my relationship with my body and my relationship with life in general. I sort of depict a lot of different things, you know, I I paint a lot of nude Mm -hmm. self-portraits, I paint a lot of my immediate environments and my relationship to them. I think the topics that sort of float in my work are this idea of reclaiming your narrative I think is incredibly relevant because I started using painting as sort of a therapeutic process in order to do that, where I got to control my image, I got to control how the public saw it. I got to manipulate it any way that I wanted to or be true to my image. And I think that when you come from an environment that's telling you how you should look, how you should act, telling you these sort of false ideas of who you are rather than you figuring it out for yourself, it's an incredibly liberating thing to do that for yourself through art and then also present it to the world in exhibitions because ultimately that is restoring your agency and your own decision making and how you want to relate to the world through your body. Mm-hmm. I love it. Wow. I love it. <laughs> yeah, oh. me too. Oh. My God. So God. powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, really good. Yeah, it is incredibly oh. powerful. Thanks. Have you found the process therapeutic? I think that the studio itself has become a a therapeutic place because I get to go and just like work on these paintings. I work more intuitively, like I'll get an idea for something to paint and I don't necessarily question why, Mm -hmm. but then you kind of figure it out afterwards. Like for example, the painting I did of my crotch and denim. Yeah. (laughs) My jeans, it kind of just like popped into my head. But then as I was making it, I realized sort of this idea of the physical restriction of clothing but the also this sort of like opening up of the brush strokes and like mm-hmm. this really voluminous body and, and kind of celebrating that, but also making the viewer look at my vagina and at mm-hmm. where my vagina would be. Mm-hmm. It's like this inviting and confrontational thing at the same time, yeah. but it also makes people a bit uncomfortable, but also comfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 and it's I think a very duali- int- yeah. yeah, duality is a big part of my work because I also talk a lot about sort of recovering from trauma and abuse and how basically there's like this strength and vulnerability that exists, I think, as a woman or as a person who's experienced trauma, but also this sort of like the days that you feel like fucking powerful or great mm-hmm. and you love your body and you love where you are. And then the days that you feel like you don't want anyone to look at you or you feel like you're defined by your experiences mm-hmm. in a negative way. And there's just like this constant back and forth between those two states and so there's a lot of hiding and revealing in my work there's a lot of like either the body is totally exposed or completely covered in different ways and I think it's just really therapeutic to talk about the things you've been through in a way that people can relate to in their own experiences Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have messaged me 
since I started like having shows more because when I ran the gallery I didn't really show or make work that much but since I started people have been like even though they have very different experiences from me there's a universality to it of course mm-hmm. especially yep. like you know body politics and like feminism yeah. all these things that everyone thinks about mm-hmm. yeah. or people who've ever felt othered or felt defined by the media by the people around them mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of whether or not they're valuable mm-hmm. not beautiful but valuable mm-hmm. yeah because I think there's almost there's like there's Beauty is great, mm-hmm. yeah. But you are not valuable simply because you're beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm, I yeah, everyone is valuable, period, in their own ways. And I think that, you know, our desires, our motivations, our ambitions, our thoughts, our sexuality—like all these things—are valuable and beautiful. But there's, it's, it's kind of just focused on this one idea of aesthetic beauty. Mm-hmm. See, one of the things, like, your point about duality and what mm-hmm. you showcase through your work was exactly one of the things I found so powerful because I think so many people are so afraid of showing their vulnerability. But mm-hmm. yet when you, and it's interesting because we touched on Brene Brown in a different episode, mm-hmm. but sure. she, you know, was able to unearth the fact that, like, when you reach a certain level of vulnerability and expose your vulnerability, that's mm-hmm. when, like, she says, you know, that's where creativity is birth. That's where connection is birth mm-hmm. and joy and all of that. And I yeah. think the fact that you can show that through your work. I think you were saying that like you have people actually reaching out to you through your community. Yeah. Are they probably saying things like thank you or what are they saying in terms of connecting to your artwork? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten people saying like thank you for making this, especially a lot of people who are fat, specifically people who don't see their bodies represented in a particular way yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or at all, especially in painting and especially in a more empathetic way because there's a lot of painters who paint like fat women specifically yeah but it's always like an objectifying sort of crop <coughs> style where it's yeah. like all uh, about yeah all about the flesh and about you know, yeah mm-hmm. but it's nothing about like the model isn't considered and so there's definitely people who have reached out to me thanking me for like that representation and also people who have been through traumatic experiences or have like PTSD or flashbacks and been like I have that kind of experience too and it's nice yeah. to see that in, mm. uh, in something else and yeah. I feel that way about other artists that I really care about. And, but I think it, spe- it definitely speaks to the point that like your own experiences and vulnerability, your very personal, personal pain can be really universal because so many people go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just really empowering in a way to talk about it and to put it out there in the world because, first of all, you get to control your narrative. Yeah. Like, and I think... Because mm-hmm. like that's the best just way to do it. Such a powerful feeling, right? Yeah, you just throw it out there mm-hmm. for everyone to see, but that's your truth, and they're seeing your truth versus someone else's. Mm-hmm. I think there's also power to exposure. Mm-hmm. Like when you expose these things that you're supposed to be ashamed of, mm-hmm. or you're supposed to hide, and we've been taught to hide them, you actually gain power over those things, and you don't feel that kind yeah. of shame anymore. Yeah, that's so true. Or you never erase. Shame. Shame is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Brene talks about shame. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. quoted her in my dissertation. Did what's, you? What's the one she said? Like, shame derives its power from its inability mm-hmm. to be spoken, or something. Yeah, I, think I can't remember something like, something that. like that. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which I thought I found so compelling because the things you're ashamed of, you don't speak. Of, you don't speak about them because exactly. you're afraid. Yeah. Wow. And mm-hmm. so I think that speaking about them and putting them into the open is just the best way to like cleanse that sort of horrible feeling yeah i think it's about context isn't it and sometimes when you change the context so when Mm. you speak about something that you think is shameful Mm -hmm. uh, eventually your context with it changes your relationship with it changes and it no longer becomes shameful you can Mm -hmm. kind of get a bit of strength from it actually Mm. so for example people who have gone through depression Right. Mm-hmm. There was a time when mental health issues were things that people didn't talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that people are more openly talking about it and sharing their experiences with it, it's, you know, to a certain extent, no longer a shameful thing. Yeah, it's not as crazy thing. anymore yeah. to so talk about it. So your relationship with it just changes. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get power from talking mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. connecting with other people or, you know, having them share similar experiences mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. or gain something from your experiences. Suddenly mm-hmm. you can turn that around, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a lot of, I think for me, like mental illness is also a huge part of my work. I come from a family where like most of my family are like 
bipolar or have anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. And I think I have anxiety and depression and PTSD. And your experience do make who you are because you can always wonder what you would be like if you hadn't gone through Mm -hmm. these like really tough things. But it's sort of a useless thing to think about because that'll never happen. Yeah, painting is an incredibly cathartic way to deal with these things, not just in the image, but in the production of the piece and the, uh, the creation of the image through paint. Mm. And I think that you can have these more wild, energetic gestures that you can like physically put your body into. And I think mm. that that brings an energy to the painting that people can understand. Or it can be a lot more quiet where the brush strokes kind of dissipate into each other. And it's about that sort of like fading into the background or the sort of solitude that you experience when you're going through depression or interesting so before we move on to rachel because the word power Mm -hmm. uh, came up a few times so i asked some of the ladies that were in our office earlier on today i basically said you know this is the title of today's show what does this mean to you what do you think this is about how would you define or explain what reclaiming your own narrative means so a couple of the comments I had so one person said to take control of how a story is told about you Mm -hmm. that was their take on what this means another person said telling your story and changing the view of others which is slightly different. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone else said, reclaim your power and rewrite your story. Uh, which again is, slightly you know, different. slightly different. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting that people had like a slightly different They all think differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah about essentially, you know, the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting. Because very that, interesting. That's almost, because reclaiming your own narrative um, implies that it's, personal right yeah it's your own mm-hmm. so having your own perspective of even what that means mm-hmm. you know is quite interesting that mm-hmm. there's no sort of actual definition you know everybody has their own take yep. on mm-hmm. the detail the little detail that changes between them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it also implies that somebody else owned it though mm. i agree mm-hmm. so that i think one. that mm-hmm. which i think a lot of people can relate to from different backgrounds the yeah. idea mm-hmm. of like these ideas that are pushed on you based on like the way you look, where you mm-hmm. come from, like all these things that people that people make this mm-hmm. idea of you. When they and, hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can be like, this is me, public like access to this identity. And then people can't make assumptions because it's already there. Yeah. Right. I mean, they can't. They'll do it anyway because everyone's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Wow. Immediately, people do that all the time. You know, yeah. in whichever environment you're in, exactly, they make assumptions about you based on a number of different things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Not but all yeah. Of them. But don't you guys think that's because, like, culturally, pre-exposed to these like cultural definitions mm-hmm. of what beauty is or what we're supposed to have mm-hmm. and look like and think like, and mm-hmm. so when you're just exposed to that's all you know. Yeah. So I think based on that, you create these assumptions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think to your point, like that's when everyone else has control over what you're supposed mm-hmm. to be or what you're supposed to, mm-hmm. how you're supposed to be telling your story. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that's like when you have that regain the power mm-hmm. of you know shifting mindsets and breaking conventions, mm-hmm. being the black sheep, being the wild cat that does their own thing, mm-hmm. I think it's more powerful to be in that position of Yeah, it power. is. And I mean, I... I grew up making all sorts of assumptions about people because that's the way we're conditioned from yeah. birth. Like, we're mm-hmm. conditioned to believe. You're taught that way. Yeah, we're condi- in America especially. Like, oh, we're yeah. conditioned to oh, my believe gosh. certain things about black people, mm-hmm. Latino people, mm-hmm. women, like just mm-hmm. queer people, just everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. things are changing. Cha- I mean, they're not changing really that much. Like, they have, but there's, ba- they yeah. are, but like coming from Baltimore, there's like so much yeah. poverty and racism. Our mm-hmm. government's corrupt. Everything's terrible. Um, <laughs> but the people are amazing. <laughs> but, you know, I even today, because there's like a great deal of unlearning you have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's like the work is like you have to unlearn these mm-hmm. prejudices. You have to unlearn these sort of subconscious mm-hmm. places. These things you in your head. To. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you'll think something so and be true. like, why did I just think yeah. that? It's like yeah. not it's a the childhood decision. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I even even like being aware of that need to sort of unlearn all of my biases and all of these sort of falsehoods that were 
put into me as a child, even about like, you know, cause I'm, I'm quite a big lady, I'm fat. And I still find myself looking at other fat people and judging them, even mm. though I'm also, like, yeah. I look just like them. Yeah. And I think that, we but all that do, is, but do that in is, a way. I don't know. But the thing is, like, that is a self-hatred thing. For different thing. things. Mm. I do it with people's outfits. Yeah. I look at people's outfits all day. Mm. And my ex-boyfriend, he used to look at people's weight classes because he was a boxer. So, I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's all in Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's... I think it is like a reflection of yourself, yeah. though. Yeah, but in I a way. You, you, mm-hmm. The operative word there, I think, was unconscious. Like, yeah. you're yeah. making mm-hmm. that unconscious because it's try. just so, mm-hmm. I think, humanly to go to that side of the head where yeah. you're going to be making these prejudices. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's why when you get out of that unconscious mind and actually be more, I don't know, vulnerable is the right mm-hmm. word here, but human in, in the sense that mm-hmm. you're seeing that person for its unique beauty yeah. and differences. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it takes effort, like that mm-hmm. conscious yeah, you effort. You have to be active mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it, I think, and conscious. And that's the thing is like we rest, I think the whole point of sort of, you know, intersectional feminism, all these ideas and theories that people attach themselves to is making an effort to understand other people and like unlearn these sort of programmed Mm -hmm. roots in your mind that Mm -hmm. you go through and divert them. So I think, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's fascinating because like, it's, I think it's yeah. just very deeply. Some of these things, though, are very deeply ingrained in society. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. Exactly. They are. That's where that's it comes why from. It becomes an unconscious yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because you're yeah. kind of from a very yeah. small age. Mm-hmm. You have all these things coming at you, and nowadays in many formats. Yeah. Now that we oh have it's culture. Social media. It's media. Oh I was just going to yeah. go there. The digital economy. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't even get me started yeah. with and and the irony is I actually work in digital <laughs> yeah. and the industry specifically is beauty industry yeah. and I'm actually you know paying these mega beauty bloggers in, influencers etc to you know create looks mm-hmm. and a lot of it is filtered yeah. and they have a certain look mm-hmm. that's very manufactured yeah. and so and I think that some things like research and studies have been out there that like because of the age of the digital era and the filter and all of that it's actually created a lot more like anxiety and depression among mm-hmm. young teens mm-hmm. because yeah. you're in that constant comparison mm-hmm. mode mm-hmm. and we know that like a lot of what is exposed and shared on digital is the edited version as yeah, opposed to the raw I mean, beauty of like natural your whole life though yeah I mean, it's not yeah. just the look is not just filtered so i find i mean yeah, forget that the is younger true. generation yeah. in our generation i see uh, i obviously follow lots of people on social media and lots of people mm-hmm. follow me and all i see is people posting so a lot of people that are, have <laughs> a similar profile to myself mm-hmm. you know they own a a business of a certain size they've got some kind of you know external thing Mm -hmm. that they do on the side that gives them access to lots of people and all i see is yoga poses and oh yeah of amazing food yeah and you know (laughs) holidays in goblins wear with palm trees and you know this and that no one is actually posting a picture of their snotty kids and yeah (laughs) trying to drag them to school true you know it's kind of like look at me i'm the perfect mom oh and i know how to do the downward dog and I work 28 hours a day yeah. and I still look like this you know yeah and yeah I look at this and I, I think mean, hang on a minute yeah yeah, like, yeah let's be real here you yeah. either don't do all of these things or because you know I do a, a lot of stuff and I can't look like that because I don't have time yeah I have about 15 minutes to have a shower <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I don't have you know four and a half hours mm-hmm. to to get ready get so yeah, yeah it's it's kind of like not po- it's not feasible you mm-hmm. can't feasibly be doing all of this and mm-hmm. be perfect in all of them and look so well put together and spend time writing six page posts on you know whatever <laughs> Instagram, about yeah. something else so true yeah, I mean, this really can't be the case. So yeah. I think that there's just this overall life filter that, true. that people that put. True. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then everyone's looking at these things and with their own peers yeah. or whichever age group or whichever, 
you know, yep. type of peer mm-hmm. that they have, they're seeing them and thinking, oh my God, why am I not like that? Or, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, what have I got to do to kind of be like that? Why is it not working out for me? You know? I mean, I think that, um, I think that's very true. I do think that there's, again, like a duality, like a, the pros and cons to the internet in the digital age where there are like the people who get like the most love and the most, mm-hmm. are, are these like sort of superficial amalgamations of what we're supposed to desire Mm -hmm. but then it's also so easy to find people who are like you who Mm -hmm. go through the same things as you and who are being more honest about Mm -hmm. but you know i my father ran cosmetic companies oh really yeah and so you know pre-internet it's been a huge thing in my life it's been a huge it, it created all these ideas of like what I should look like, what I should be wearing, what I, all, all these, and you know, I've always been larger, not, not like significantly larger, but I've always been a larger person. And it was really difficult to have that sort of environment growing up. And I think that, um, cause back then, I mean, in the nineties, of course there was like heroin chic and like yeah. <laughs> all that stuff going on. Um, but even with the dawn of the internet, Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it's all these images are like flying into your face. And I think that images are so powerful. They are. You don't have to say anything mm-hmm. and you can still go, I wish I had that person's yeah. life. But there right. also seems to be a lot of anger, especially about um, mm-hmm. plus size. So we did an episode on plus size mannequin, the Nike mannequin. Yeah. So, you know, Nike had a plus-size mannequin, which, by the way, by my standards, was not plus-size. She was probably like an 8 or something. Yeah, it was like a, I don't know, maybe not not more than a 12. I actually saw the mannequin. I went just to see the mannequin because it was all over the news. You know, there was loads of hoo-ha. And some of the stuff that I was seeing on social media were proper, like aggressive angry like people angry mm-hmm. uh at people for being overweight and i'm kind of like yeah. okay that's well, really were... gonna help the situation isn't it i just could not understand it and when i went to see it firstly it did mm-hmm. not look like a plus size mannequin mm-hmm. it just looked like a n- normal size mannequin and i just found it really difficult to understand the anger you know i was kind of like yeah. why are people angry you know does that they make, were ang- that yeah. very strange wait, wait, wait. they were angry that the plus size mannequin wasn't was a false representation or they were angry that there there was one at all yeah oh firstly that nike you know had the audacity to have a plus size mannequin. oh my gosh secondly Which... that it meant that you know they were endorsing unhealthiness and but mm. some people's posts were vicious like yeah. why do i want to be fat and eating myself and blah 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 you know like as if so. fat you know overweight people are just sitting around yeah. doing fuck all eating all day long yeah, yeah. You know, do, yeah. we're like yeah. a bunch of yeah. losers do like well i mean there so this is a, a topic that definitely ties into the theme of today because there's this mm-hmm. public ownership of fat bodies where like if you're fat everyone else is somehow like morally superior to you which yeah. is why they feel comfortable going strangers coming up to you and being like like staring at you or being <laughs> like oh if you're eating like anything other than like romaine lettuce and nothing else mm-hmm. they're like you should really like wow eat something more healthy it is an unconscious thing but there's also a very conscious decision that people make to make comments on social media or in real life yeah judging fat people for existing essentially yeah like, it's like if you're over a certain bmi then you need to be constantly reminded that you're fat because that really helps. And they've done studies Ooh. recently that shaming does nothing to help people. No, no it's not. worse. It makes but it not, worse. But it's not even on obesity. Shaming yeah. on anything. Yeah. Yeah. It does, yeah. Especially, th- yeah, that's very true. But I think the diet industry makes so much money. They make billions and billions oh, yeah, of dollars every do. year. Mm-hmm. And it's profitable to continue this idea of shame. But like now there's companies who are like introducing plus size stuff like actually i was watching love island over the summer and there was that whole thing where like overweight person you know they had well, someone well, there right was, who well, was supposed Chris. to be plus size but oh yeah 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 she, but she Anna. was i mean yeah. you know like, she, well she looks like Kim kardashian she, not, she just looked that's like, not yeah, yeah. I mean, but then but that i was just gonna say on on that note like for all those really nasty inappropriate people making those comments being angry about you know what 
they should be looking like or why Nike had that mannequin. I think they assume that if you're a certain size, they're unhealthy. Yeah. 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 And I think that, again, is that narrative is, again, Mm -hmm. owned by everyone else. Because I am not healthy. Yeah. I mean, the same things you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Okay. I... I need to work out. I tell Chris every day, like, I need to work out. And I go on these things where I started, my body started changing at a certain age. And so now I have to work out and I'll get to a certain size. And I'm like, all right, I'll work out for a while. And now it's time for me to get back on my, and even in between those workouts, I'm eating whatever. I'm not, you yeah. know, having yeah. lettuce, like yeah. you said. So yeah. it, Chris is so right about that. We talked about it one day, just because you're mm-hmm. small doesn't mean you're healthy. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a really skinny yeah. fat. Yeah. That's a really <laughs> <laughs> me. I'm skinny fat. I'm guilty, you know. But that's the thing. Like, I'm not people, proud of it. But I, I be, I'm. But like, you know, I have a, a lot shit? going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, like, that's the point. Is. The point yeah. and that's yeah. the thing. The one luxury that like a thin, unhealthy person has versus a, a fat, healthy or unhealthy person has is mm-hmm. that people look at you. Like, there's this whole thing of, like, the hot girl eating a whole burger, and men are like, wow, you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, I'm eating a burger, and they're like, hmm, fat ass. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like yeah. this, they fetishize yeah. this, like, I wow. can It's to do I with a lot of things, not just mm-hmm. looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jeans and, think, and all kind of things. But that, yeah, genetics are actually, like, a huge part of it. Yeah. I also yeah. think that, like, you know, I actually eat quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I used to have, like, a really disordered eating. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't bulimic or anorexic, but I, I just would go on the craziest diets yeah. mm-hmm. my whole life from the time I was in middle school. Yeah. I went through, there was a week where I spit in a cup instead of swallowing my spit yeah. to, like, oh. lose weight. There was, like, t- a time where oh. I was drinking, like, slim oh, fast milkshakes and, like, mm. dry special K cereal for lunch. Like, all these things were, like, yeah. actually, if I had been taught how to cook, yeah. how to make vegetables delicious, yeah. which, by yeah. the way, they are delicious. They're yeah. delicious. I love Oh, my God, they're the best. We love But, like, all these things were, like, if you're just taught that you can have anything instead yeah. of telling you you can't have these things, then you will eat a balanced diet because mm-hmm. when you when you tell yourself I'm not allowed to have this, your body wants it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's a natural instinct to go. Well, I can't have bread. Then your yeah. body's like, actually, I need carbohydrates to exist. And also, why don't I have bread? There must be a, like a famine happening. Yeah, so please yeah. Don't have bread. Yeah, like and That's I so went through true. so much of that like denying myself certain things and then like binging on those things yeah. because it's just like it has, that's how physiology works yeah. and mm-hmm. it's only recently that I finally was like I can just eat whatever I want and whatever I feel like that my diet has improved significantly yeah. in terms of like getting a balanced nutrient fat is not the enemy carbs mm-hmm. aren't the enemy like nothing is the enemy mm-hmm. it's just all about eating the right what things. you need yeah, and like true. how you feel mm-hmm. and like sometimes I'm like I need to eat a whole bunch of vegetables so I do mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like I want some ice cream you know what I mean yeah, yeah. well like, we have the same eating habits because yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean I tell Chris like I'm from California so I pretty much eat pretty healthy but I have a sweet problem so yeah. like pancakes like cookies any kind of cakes <laughs> pies candy 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 yeah. yeah so I have like about nine fake teeth I've had like ten removed I don't know damn wow that's real I did not know that yeah I mean I've had, I've had like deep. a lot of like root canals yeah. yeah so I mean my personal life obsession has been sweets and when I was a kid I grew up in Texas so and my grandmother was like like one of those people where it was like, you got to have your vegetables, but then it was like, oh, but we always must have dessert. So I have a very confused mind. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. moving to California was the best thing for me because then I learned, like you were saying, I learned about eating vegetables and fish and things, yeah. how meat was bad. Up until that, anything gold. I mean, I feel like for me, the worst part about it was soda. Yeah. Like, you know, mm, soda's really all soda will kill your kidneys. Yeah. That's yeah. like the worst thing you yeah. can drink yeah. or eat. Yeah. And for so many years, I was like, yeah, I'm drinking only soda because yeah. I can. And <laughs> who's going to check me, boo? Um, I pop ooh. those sodas oh every day. Yeah. And I was drinking them. And I think now my kidneys are hurting every day from drinking those <laughs> yeah. sodas. I Losing tell Chris, tea got in some your kids all the time. Like, girl, my back. I'm, d- I'm already going downhill, and I think it's because of all those years of eating the sweets. Yeah. It's yeah. not really the food for me. And like you said, if I feel like, all right, I'm going to get off the coffee. I'm on all kind of stuff, all kind of sweet stuff. I'm all kind of <laughs> If I'm like, I'm going to get off, all right, I'm going to get off, I'm going to get off. In a few days, it's like, you better get your 
myself to Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Now, my body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one time I had so much coffee that I started being drowsy, and I Googled it about drinking a lot of obsessive coffee, and it said that it will cause drowsiness to, like, the point where you can't function, all these things. Oh so, like, God. I do know better now. I know what I should be <laughs> eating. I know what is good for me, but... It's just, you know, I'm normal. Sometimes when I don't feel happy, I just want to have Jamaican food. I just want to Which eat. is amazing. Yeah. Yes. Oh. You know, yeah. <laughs> Get the goat. Yeah. But I think, the, I think ultimately, like, everybody has yeah. a fucked up relation with food. It's not yeah. just people yeah. who get to the point of disordered eating where they need to go to the hospital it's like everybody because everybody told all yeah. These things <laughs> yeah well all that's the, the again the narrative one of the things though yeah. is that the assumption firstly that yeah. your food and your weight or mm-hmm. how you look Poorly, are, yeah. Are, yeah and so, that's not I mean, true in my case mm-hmm. i'm also overweight but it's less about food for me it's about sleeping so i've had a oh. sleeping disorder for about 30 years out of my 40 odd years of life so oh. um i sleep on average currently three to five hours a night oh my god God. for me is a lot of sleep so believe it or not up until about five years ago i could function on an hour a night of sleep and i've superhuman most of (laughs) my time trying to figure out how to sleep and doing just about everything that you know exists out in the world Mm -hmm. to to try and make that happen for myself and it has failed i think in recent years the only reason that i'm sleeping slightly more is because inevitably i'm older and my body is just more tired yeah you know it's just not able to function as well as it did before but i think that i have you know a whole heap of different things to do with you know i'm allergic to just about everything i eat so Mm. that causes a lot of inflammation in my body and half of that even i think is to do with my many years of not not sleeping sleeping. oh my god sleep is actually yeah sleep quality sleep really is linked to healthy life and longevity yeah yeah longevity yeah Yeah. so and people and actually so i I mentioned this guy Mm. vision he is the founder of a trans transformational personal development like educational company but um he was basically kind of debunking you know elon musk was interviewed Mm. and was very boastfully saying how he doesn't sleep and because he has so much to you know take over the world with and like the people who are actually sleeping they're wasting their time and all this nonsense Mm. but ariana huffington this is very interesting point she actually wrote like this open heart like letter Mm. to elon musk that basically you know let's step back he's an incredible visionary Mm -hmm. and he's contributed incredibly incredible innovation in this economy but actually being like sleep deprived is linked to being unhealthy right. and when you get quality Everything sleep yeah, deep sleep too high blood pressure mm-hmm. to, you know yeah. all kinds of internal organs failing and oh, all kinds God. of yeah. things and i do have a high blood pressure you know yeah. and all these other like array of different things and joined together that makes it harder for me to lose weight yeah and yes it does in fact yeah. if anything i bet i hardly ever eat carbs because i'm actually uh, gluten intolerant so oh you gosh. know I have yeah. an issue eating a, a bunch of stuff um, I can't eat onion I can't eat garlic I can't eat are tomatoes are you on a low food map diet oh my uh, gosh I'm on a diet what? that's just unknown to, to, <laughs> the, uh, to the human you should, oh you should look it up because I actually had some really horrible digestive problems before I moved here when I moved here, they went away. I wonder why. Maybe it's because our fucking foods are well, garbage yeah, is in so America. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's so crazy. True. It's My so body's gotten so much better true. in six months. Yeah. But I, I went on this diet called the low FODMAT diet, which isn't about how much you eat or whatever, yeah. but you eliminate the first two things you can't have are yeah. alliums, all so right. garlics oh. and onions. Yeah. You can't have those because it's all about these four carbohydrates, fructose, lactose, mm-hmm. polyols, and oligos that mm-hmm. ferment in your gut in a particular way and make you really sick if you're sensitive. So I can't can't eat those I have a sensitivity to those yeah. so that's why I have an issue with all pulses so yeah. you know lentils which I love chickpeas mm-hmm. yeah. beans oh, so hard. none of those I, can, I mean I can eat them but if yeah. I eat them it's Sub like may happen yeah, yeah like oh it's like gosh. an explosion <laughs> and nobody wants another to why would you another poopy motor you know, oh. so I can't eat them. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I have an issue with gluten. I can't eat garlic or, or onions. I'm yeah. allergic to garlic, garlic and onions. Mm. Um, I can't eat tomatoes. So my oh. body can't deal with tomatoes. 
too acidic and I get really bad reflux. So oh, um, oh and when I can't sleep that makes the reflux worse. It's like a cycle. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I I haven't slept, I'm knackered, the reflux is happening, I'm thinking I need to stuff something down so the reflux stops. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, what do I eat? (laughs) You know? Can't be bread. That'd be the best solution. (laughs) And like most fruit has got some form of acid in it. Oh my gosh. So then I end up sitting there like chomping on a broccoli or, you know, a (laughs) carrot or whatever. Because I'm like, I don't know what to eat. Yeah, yeah. What can I possibly eat? Yeah. And it's depressing because I spend most of my time trying to figure out what I can eat. What you can yeah, eat. Yeah, you know, know, it's morning and I'm like, stress. I'm hungry. What can I eat? And I go through a list. Oh I can't eat, my I can't goodness. eat, I can't eat. Oh, and then you think I just don't want to eat the same four things that I know I'm allowed yeah. to eat like every single yeah. day yeah. for the rest right. of my the life there's a litany of reasons known and unknown that we are the way we are mm. in terms of our size or whatever but mm-hmm. ultimately none of those things really matter in terms of how no. people should value you in society no. I think that um, mm-hmm. if somebody wants to eat burgers for every meal for their whole life go for it it doesn't affect me and I think that as long as people aren't hurting other people, then they should be respected and valued. And God, food is amazing. Yeah, food is. Yeah. Amen. Jo- it, yeah, like, it is so is good. A joy is a joy. It's, I it's love joyful. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> it it's cultural. It creates connections. And there's such a vilification of food of all sorts, of flavor, of fat, of like all these things that mm-hmm. make things delicious. And I think that people just need to hop off the train. That it's just like let's hate on everyone just because of the way they look and assume all these horrible things about them. But you know, but you know when people yeah. are hating, it's always a reflection them. of them. Yeah. Which goes 100%. back 100%. Yeah. Goes back to our main point of reclaiming your narrative, yeah. right? But that was something that I had to learn and I rediscovered as I'm maturing and getting a little bit wiser, I like to think, and, you know, practicing some spirituality. But it's always, always a reflection of their own insecurity Mm, because they're not secure with themselves that they are trying to identify and find something else that's actually probably a very rooted issue or insecurity that they've had. I mean, what do you think? Well, oh, totally. Also, people just don't like seeing, like, people who are outside the beauty standard just like happy mm. yeah. like living their life and just knocking down this idea that they have to be anything else other than yeah. who they are yeah. like people who mm-hmm. look joyful and like they have a full yeah. life often get a lot of hate simply for being mm. like fat or black or trans or whatever yeah. and just like <laughs> I'm calling all the your... true things out yeah. 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 No, it's, yeah. just, it's like if, if you it's just, so true if you live your yeah. life and you're just like I'm like fuck all this bullshit that's telling me that I should hate myself and wor- mm. I should work my entire life to be something that I can't possibly be yeah then people get mad because they wish that they had that that they can do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they wish they could do it. And everyone I can I will do say, it. though, and you guys can agree or disagree with me. I'd be curious to hear. I do think that there has been quite um, change and growth in the definition of beauty standards. Yeah. So when sure. I look at, I, because as I mentioned, I used to or be in the beauty industry. When I look at the beauty brand like Milk Makeup, mm-hmm. you guys, are yeah. you familiar? I actually love the way they are um, representing different styles of beauty. They were mm-hmm. one of the very first beauty brands to have a male as model, um, yeah. a gay male, and very colorful and not using too photoshopped images. Yeah. And even women with like freckles or a woman who looks a little asexual or all sorts of different mm-hmm. sizes and types. And so, and then also, I know you and I had a separate conversation about Ashley Graham. Yeah. So if like, you know, the plus size model, but there's also Winnie Harlow. Am I getting the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Vitiligo. Exactly yeah. right. And I think growing up when I was like five years old, all of you guys, um, someone like Winnie Harlow would have never, I think, been represented as an incredible, you know, a supermodel. Yeah, yeah. supermodel and a sign She's of amazing, beauty, yeah. and she is absolutely stunning. But I think when women like her, women like you, yeah. who are really 
confidently own themselves mm. and say, I'm just as freaking beautiful as you, 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 are, I think is going to help change that narrative and people see yeah. it differently. Well, and there's a lot of brands right now like Fenty, Rihanna, mm-hmm. oh, Sa- Fenty Beauty, um, Savage X Fenty. Yeah, like, yeah they, oh, they did they sizes and colors. Everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Like, because so many people copied her afterwards. I think yeah. she was the first one who had 40 shades of foundation yep. and like yep. truly had. Yep. A representation for people of all colors, all sizes. Um, Glossier uses people with all sorts of different skin mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. conditions. Chromat is an incredible mm-hmm. brand, fashion brand that has always sort of used, you know, a more inclusive view towards who wears their products. And you know, they have sort of non-binary models, trans models mm-hmm. on the runway, um, fat women, yeah. thin women. Um, Women with disabilities, like all over. Embracing yeah. variety, right? Yeah. Because yeah. ideals of beauty have changed over time. Absolutely. You know, if you look at, you know, at one pop point in history, being slightly overweight was attra- considered more attractive, and skinny women had yeah, to put years things ago, yeah. underneath their skirts to make very them look like they had bigger, yeah, big hips, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. But it's it's now. I think we're at a time where it shouldn't be this standard or that standard it's just about variety mm-hmm. and then not attaching yeah. tags to those different varieties of people not mm-hmm. just size but color you know uh, race religious background all of these these things i mean i think about being overweight the one thing that i hate most is sometimes people look at me and think i'm lazy Oh my god, oh, you're so are not lazy. And that, and that yeah. is what I hate the most because mm-hmm. if there is one thing I am 100% mm-hmm. You are the not, complete antithesis it, 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 of yeah, what lazy means. Yeah, I just um, met yes. you and I know that you've yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, it's it's just those kinds of preconceptions. It's not Absolutely. even just about yeah. whether you're you know, healthy or not, or, 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 or what you eat. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, there's a whole array of things. Prejudices, yeah.